Hey there, Greybeardians. Welcome back, and thanks for joining me on another episode of Cybersecurity Greybeard, the podcast that helps students, early professionals, and retrainees learn, grow, and advance in the cybersecurity profession. If you have any suggested topics, reach out. Make sure to email questions, comments, and episode recommendations to cybergraybeard at gmail.com. In this episode, I step away from my normal monologue style to interview a renowned guest. I'd like to welcome W. Curtis Preston, the Chief Technical Evangelist at Druva, also known as Mr. Backup. Curtis runs his own website, BackupCentral.com, with his own podcast called Restore It All. He also participates in the No Hardware Required podcast for Druva. There's links in the notes for each of these websites or podcasts. Before I get started, as I've been doing all season, I wanted to mention Josh, my mentee in Africa, that's trying to relocate to Canada and study cybersecurity. I've known and communicated with Josh for over six months. We met as I was leaving my last job. He was kind and supportive, understanding the situation and my stance. I'd like to return the favor by helping him raise money for his relocation. Please visit the Give, Send, Go site and donate just a few dollars. Skip that Starbucks today and send a few bucks to help Josh out. You can either search Give, Send, Go for cybersecurity and select Fund an International Cybersecurity Student or just click on the link under episode notes. Now, on with the show. Hi, I'm here to welcome W. Curtis Preston, also known as Mr. Backup, a guest speaker here today at the Cybersecurity Graybeard. Hi, Curtis. It's great to have you here. I appreciate you joining. Why don't you start off by telling me and the audience a little bit about yourself? So I've been in the backup space. It's coming up on 30 years. I also have a great beard, so I feel <laughs> I feel qualified to be on the podcast. And uh, But yeah, I've been, I started out at what at that time was the second largest credit card company. And I went into consulting for a while, and now I work for uh, Druva, which is a cloud data protection company. Great. Thank you. What about your journey academically, professionally? I know that you said that you started for the second largest credit card company. What did you do there, and how did you end up where you are today over your 30-year journey? Yeah, so I was the backup guy. Um, I, I was fresh out of the military and had no college to speak of, really. I mean, I had a few classes here and there, but... Um, and I basically leveraged a connection that I had via my lovely wife at this bank, and MBNA was the name of the company. They're not around. They got acquired by Bank of America. But um, I got my first job in IT, and it was I was in charge of the backups for, at that time, it was like 10 computers, but we grew uh, like, I don't know, 20, 30x in the time I was there uh, from a number of computers perspective and I went into consulting after about three years at the bank I went into consulting and and what happened was uh, backups is not it's not an area of you know it's not like cybersecurity where like people are trying to get into it <laughs> yeah backups is like the job nobody else wants and and that, and that's why it was offered to me and that's why I took it because I wanted a job and but just through a series of sort of happenstance uh, that I ended up essentially accidentally specializing in it and after about mm, about five or six years of basically just falling into opportunities that were backup related I decided to start publishing and um, really it's when I you know when I caught the publishing bug and when I started writing articles and wrote a book that that's when you know once that happens then 
you know, well, now I'm stuck. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I get it. Once you put in that much time and focus in one area, uh, and I assume you like it. I, I can't imagine you doing yeah. 30 years just because it's there and you're good at it. Well, I, I do. You know, there's that thing about, you know, find a job that you like, uh, that you enjoy, and you'll never work a day in your life. It's, it's like that. I really do have a passion for people's data, right? And I have a, you know, it, it, it like hurts me inside when I hear people say things about like, you know, the, 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 they lost their data or they almost lost their data. And so I, I do really enjoy being a help to other people, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, so I, I, I do enjoy it. You know, the actual art of the actual doing the backups, I haven't done that in a long time. Yeah. Right? So, I, so at this point, I mainly enjoy helping other people do it correctly. Yeah, and I think we haven't talked yet about your podcast that you do. Tell us a little bit about that, but I, I want to say that two things. One, I say find what you love to do and find a way to make money at it. And like you yeah. say, you never work a day in your life. And I believe at this point in our careers and our lives, it's incumbent upon us to give back, which is why I do Cybersecurity Graybeard and why I'm happy to meet you and talk with you about your journey. Tell me a little bit about your podcast or podcasts, which we had previously discussed, and then I want to move into the, some of the technical aspects of backups. Yeah, sure. So uh, I've had a website, BackupCentral.com, for uh, 22 years now, and the so I, we have Backup Central's uh, Restore It All podcast, which is dedicated to backup and recovery, DR, uh, archive, long-term storage, and as a necessary component, also cybersecurity, right? Um, we do that every week. I have a co-host, Prasanna Maliandi, and he, he is... He's my uh, great question asker, um, and you know he just he, he calls me on things. We have we have random guests from all over you know the industry, and uh, and sometimes it's just the two of us, and we just talk about you know we try to follow what's going on in, in, in that space or those spaces and and cover it. And then I also have the No Hardware Required podcast, which is the one from my employer, Druva. Uh, the first one, by the way, is an independent podcast. We talk about just about anything, including sometimes talking to our uh, Druva's competitors. But the Druva podcast is, um, uh, it covers obviously topics that are um, relevant to Druva customers. It's a, it's a SaaS-based data protection provider. So we talk a lot about that, which is why it's called the hardware required. So. Right, right. Well, that, that's a good segue. I want to talk about the relationship between backups, DRHABC, which is obviously disaster recovery, high availability, and business continuity, and cybersecurity. Where do you see the bridge there, and what type of role do, do backups play in the overall cybersecurity picture? Yeah, so uh, I, I, talk, I talk about this a lot. When, I, when you go back to the beginning of my career, I saw backups as just like, like it was this one thing, and then I saw the information security people as the, um, you know, this is pre-internet, right? Yeah. <laughs> really got the internet, right? So uh, the, the IS people, to me, they were like uh, like an enemy. They were, they were always trying to lock down what I was trying to do. They were, um, you know, they were trying to stop me. They were trying to make it hard for me to do my job. That was the way I saw uh, information security people when I first started the industry. Where I am now is that I, I see it as a very solid partnership, right? They're a little bit more on the front end, and I'm a little bit more on the back end. And but at the same time, something has happened uh, with especially the ransomware attacks. Yeah. 
something has happened in the last really like year to two years and that is that the the backups themselves have become the front line of the ransomware war it, it, it used to be that backups were the last line of defense they still are but they've moved to the front line of the war and so you have this really really important resource that is being attacked uh, you know from a from a cybersecurity perspective and a ransomware perspective and it's it's a really scary situation because many people that are running backups, like I got, I got the, as I said, I got the job at backup because nobody else wanted it, right? That's that's often who has the job of backups. They're not necessarily the most secure or senior people, and they're not the most seasoned when it comes to cybersecurity issues. And so you've got this really important uh, backup system that. Um, that is often being run by junior people. And then the other thing that's happened, and this is what sort of fostered this, is that about 20 years ago, the predominant, uh, most of the industry moved away from tape as a backup medium. They went to disk as a backup medium. And um, that was great in a lot of ways, but it also put all of your backups online, right? The, the, the beautiful thing about tape was that you could take it, put it in a box and hand it to a man in a van that isn't the case. So all, all these companies or backups are all sitting there on in servers in the data center that's being protected. And maybe it's replicated to another data center that they also manage, which is just as easy to attack from a cybersecurity perspective, right? Yeah. And so and so that, that that's that's what's been happening is that, that so that's why I think that the, the cyber folks need to really work with the backup folks uh, and vice versa to make sure that you that they're you know, that they're taking all this into account. Yeah, I, I'm just sitting here thinking RPO and RTO, on-site, off-site, lateral movement, uh, recovery point objective, recovery time objective for those that aren't familiar with it. Tell me some horror stories, one or two, that you've had within the last three months of organizations that either thought that they had successful backups, were then hit, didn't have the backup, didn't have as much, or their RPO or RTO or both were so far outside the norm that it was pretty catastrophic. Well, three months might be a little limiting for me, but, but I can think in yeah in the last <laughs> in the last few years, right? Because I, I throw around a lot of these stories. Um, the 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 biggest stuff that I'm seeing is one of two things: either people that simply don't air gap their backups, right? Where they get they get their um, there was an attack just recently. Darn it, I. Uh, if I'd have thought about it a little bit beforehand, I probably could have given you a name. But there was an attack that's like still in the press that would actually fit your three-month time frame. That basically that the um, the on-premises backups were completely um, exfiltrated and deleted, and so there was there was no RTO and RPO. They 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 they, they basically they they were forced to resort to alternative methods, which means basically they would they were probably paying the ransom, right? So in other words, they were encrypted and their backups were useless. Yeah, yeah, okay. their backups were well because that's one of the biggest things right now, especially the, uh, the the Conti ransomware group, is they they exfiltrate the backups first and then delete them and then give you the ransomware demand. Right? And that is a perfect so. example about what you were saying earlier about the man in the van with the tapes. 
Yeah, exactly. Right. So that that's one thing that happens. And then the other thing is that, the, well, I guess these are actually built the same thing. It's about air gapping the backups. The, the one that's possibly the, the biggest um, example, and this was actually about a year and a half ago. I think it was a year and a half ago, OVH. They were, and probably still are, the largest cloud provider headquartered in Europe, right? Um, they're 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 a distant second to AWS, but <laughs> maybe even third to 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 Azure. But they're the biggest one headquartered over there. They had this massive data center fire, and so all these wow. all these customers, um, many many customers lost all of their data because they didn't have backups that were somewhere else. And um, the worst part of that story is that some of those customers were actually paying, according to the story, right? So, you know, I'll put the allegedly phrase in there. But according to the story, some of these customers were actually paying for the OVH backup service, which claimed to put the data to be physically segregated or some weird term that didn't make any sense to me as a backup person. Um, and what what it appears to be was physically separate meant it's at a different server over in the corner of the data center. <laughs> yeah. And so and so when the data center was wiped out by this huge fire, um, I mean it, it took out that building and the building next to it. It was a huge fire. Uh, basically, a lot of companies just lost all their data. So, and I'm assuming OVH lost their business. They they must have been sued out of existence. Basically, they're fine. I don't know how they're not sued out of existence. He started. There, there is whatever they call a class action lawsuit in France um, going on. I am in communication with one of the um, litigants as part of that, you know, story. But uh, amazingly, they're they're still functioning as a business, and they're 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 going on. That's stunning. Um, yeah. Well, wow, that's 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 a good example. I, I appreciate that. Let's shift gears for a second, and I want to talk about technical challenges associated with backups that security professionals should know about. And maybe you know the fire. That's a good example from the uh, physical world. But technically speaking, what are some challenges that cyber folks should know about? Well, the you know phrases like um, I'd say the biggest technical difficulty that you have is that when you use phrases like least privilege and um, you know um, MFA and things like this to a low-level backup admin they may look at you with glassed over eyes they mm. may not know anything of what you're talking about and that's not technically a technical challenge no that's important um, though that, and, and yeah, I talk to my audience a lot right. about soft skills Soft skills are communicating. I don't want MFA multi-factor authentication. We know that. It's our line of work. But when you're dealing with probably an early professional, which you've been talking about here for our you know conversation, that's who's usually doing backups. A backup person, especially somebody that's not cyber trained, they know backups. They have a tape or they have a, a map drive and they're copying bits and bytes to another location. We in cyber need to talk their language or at least don't talk ours at such a high or a low level that they don't understand right. it. Right. The big thing is, you know, just understand that they may see you the way I saw the IS people 30 years ago, right? They may see you as just trying to make their, their job harder. And so you need, you need to put it 
in the language of we're trying to help you with your job. Your job is trying to keep this data yeah. secure. We just want to make sure you need to understand that it's now on the front end of the war and we need to make sure that this really, really important resource is protected in all of the ways that, that it could be protected, right? Um, the, the, the primary challenges today, we, we've solved most of the, like the physics issues. It used to be that the, the primary problem with backup was physics. It was literally just the fact that tape, which, which had, was the primary medium for many, many years, became a real problem, oddly enough, is because it, it actually got too fast. A lot of people think that the reason tape was a problem was that it was too slow. Uh, judging by your facial reaction, you probably thought the same thing. I am surprised, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, a modern LTO 9 tape drive has a throughput of um, a gigabit or gigabyte a second, right? Um, it's not slow. It's faster than the disk drives that it's backing up from. And the problem was this, it was a fundamental, the problem with tape is that it basically has two speeds. It has stop and go very fast. <laughs> and, uh, and it can't go lower than that. In some cases, it goes slightly lower than that, but the problem with many of the backups was that, like in this case of a, 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 the tape drive wants to go a gigabyte a second, and we're feeding it a backup that's running at a megabyte a second, right? Uh -huh. it's, it's a fundamental mismatch of technology. So when we moved off of tape for most backups, which is, which is what has happened in most of the world, is that we've solved the fundamental physics problems that historically were the, you know, were the problem. Now what we've done is we've created a new problem, and it is a cyber one, and that is that the backups are online in a server, you know, or connected to a server that is just as vulnerable to a cyber attack as any other server in the data center, right? So, um, and depending on how they're getting that data off-site, the copy that's off-site may also be vulnerable, right? So you should be looking at the backup server. The backup servers, if, if you're doing an on-prem system, right? Now, if you're using something like Druva, you don't have this problem because we solved this with a service, right? Um, it's like Microsoft 365, except for backups, right? But if you're doing an on-prem system, then that system should not be part of your, uh, like, uh, Active Directory domain, right? Too easy to hack Active Directory and then spread that into the backup server. It should have a separate, uh, what's the, what's the, um, the cyber term for the, it's like local password, there's a, there's well, there's, there's a local, you have local accounts that are not using SAML or LDAP. It's just a yeah, local yeah. account. There, there was an acronym for that that I, I forgot. But anyway, uh, I've heard it somewhere. But yeah, <laughs> it needs to be a local accounts that are managed, you know, with some type of password manager or something like that. That needs to be MFA'd. And most importantly, and this is really, really important, and that is the backups, where the backups are stored should not be directly accessible as a file on the backup server. And unfortunately, that's the default way in which most of these backups are stored. So let me give you an example of good and bad, right? Bad would be, I have a Windows box and I have a, I have a RAID unit attached to that Windows box and I have C colon backslash backups, right? <laughs> if I go in that directory, there's all my files. That's bad, right? Because <laughs> why? that server gets attacked by ransomware, it looks for a directory called backups or things, you know, it knows how to find these backups. And then, uh, so changing it to some other name isn't gonna really help, right? 
it will find those files and it will exfiltrate them and delete them. Uh, just as bad as if you bought something like a data domain box, uh, which is a, for those that don't know, is a is a deduplication backup system that you know it, get, it gets rid of duplicates for you, and you mount that to your Windows box via SMB or NFS, which uh, has a server message block or a network file share, and um, again, it still appears as a drive letter on Windows. That's bad. There are a variety of other ways, like each of the main backup vendors, whether it be Veeam, um, you know, Veritas, uh, Commvault, all of these folks have a way to get the data from the backup server to the um, backup storage without having it appear as a file on the, um, on the backup server. Right, it might be object storage. It might be a proprietary protocol. Right, um, obfuscation. You're talking about obfuscation. obfuscation. Well, it's not. It's not just obfuscation. Basically, you, if you've hacked that server, is there a way to get to it? There's no if. Right. If you, um, right. If it's mounted as a file system, it's directly accessible. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a little bit more than obfuscation, but yeah. Right. My um, point. I'm so, yeah. The obfuscation yeah. is the first stage. Not having C colon backups. Obfuscated. Yeah. <laughs> I I like the remote cloud hosted with MFA. If you have a tool that needs to use MFA, you're in good shape. I assume you have basically username and password plus a code that's tied into some other mechanism that the software is utilizing that would prevent yeah. a and, hacker. And, in our in our case, uh, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff, right? So you put on the appropriate um, software, like it might be an agent. If it's VMware, we're backing up. We put it we put it in, in a uh, open, you know, an OVA, an open virtual appliance in VMware, and then we connect and we authenticate. We do what's called source-side deduplication, which means we eliminate the duplicates before they're ever sent, which significantly reduces the amount of bandwidth that you need. Um, we encrypt it before it gets sent. We encrypt it again when we store it. Um, we get really good deduplication. And then every there is no route for, uh, you know, if there's a ransomware attack on your server, there's no route for it to take to get into our um, storage, right? So we're, we're running in AWS, so we're using all of their best practices, right? Um, and we're, besides the fact that we're slicing, you know, all of your files and your images, we're slicing them into little tiny pieces. Each one of those pieces is stored as an object in Amazon and in S3, and each one is individually encrypted. And all of the, the, the not just the keys, but all of the, the directories of how all those pieces get put back together, that's stored in a different database with a different authentication system, right? Yeah. So you get all of that just sort of, you know, by the by. And yes, we support multi-factor authentication via either internally or via something like Okta. So there's multi-layers of security. And I, I do want to say this, and it's not to, to pick on your... Uh, your accent. When you say root, you really mean path or route, because root. When I think of root, I'm thinking of a Linux root command. But you're talking that's about a, funny. a path from yeah. <laughs> yeah, where I, where I live, that's that means root. That means I, a root. I I totally get it. I, I totally get it. It's just for the audience. Or you and you say router. Exactly. I say router. I say it's a router, not a router, unless you got a cleaner toilet, then yeah, it's a router. There's no path. There's no path. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. When I talk about lateral movement, when you have a hack on a box, if they're getting around your environment through that box, that's lateral movement. But if there's no path or route through routers, then it sucks that your box got hacked, but it's not the end of the world. 
Right, exactly. I, I really like what you were just saying there because it's a very good example of how deep the relationship is between cybersecurity and backups, and which is, again, why I wanted to have you on, Curtis, and I appreciate it. I do have one final question. Because the bulk of my audience, I believe, are younger folks, they're students, early professionals, and then some like yourself that was retraining out of the military or other places, what advice do you have for new folks starting out in cybersecurity? Anything on education or background? Is there a path to go down? What do you say to the younger generation about joining and getting into cyber? Yeah, it's a good question. I tell them by my book, but no. <laughs> P- pitch it. What's your book? That's fine. Yeah, but by the way, they can actually get a free copy of the book if they go to druva.com slash ebook. Uh, Modern Data Protection, it's O'Reilly. It's it's my fourth book with O'Reilly. Wonderful. Uh, and, and if you do want a good high-level overview of all of the you know aspects of sort of the way backups work today couldn't hurt to review that book but my, my I would say my biggest advice would be to to stay connected to the world at large right so you, you go in you get some training and then maybe you go and you get a job and that's all you know that's not good the beautiful thing about the world that we now live in that I didn't have you know 30 years ago is that you can log in. My current favorite thing, and it's not the only thing, but I, I really like Reddit, right? I like to, to subscribe to different subreddits and to follow and sometimes comment on various things. Any thread will have 100 opinions on you know different things, but you will see some common threads that you'll see. You'll, you'll get to learn from other people's misfortune sometimes, and you'll get to see the different sides of given arguments, like one of the arguments that I have a lot is whether or not you should back up something like Microsoft 365 or Salesforce, to which I, a person who spent my life about backups, my answer is, of course you back that up, right? And that there is another side to that argument, they're wrong, <laughs> but you can, you can learn all of that. The other thing I would say is that to just sort of start establishing brand right start establishing your specialization both online you know that's what that's what online can contribute a lot to right both you know things like twitter linkedin not facebook i haven't found much much use with facebook uh for pretty much anything (laughs) (laughs) uh, don't get me started on that (laughs) yeah twitter and reddit and linkedin linkedin's pretty solid I think podcasts are a great resource, and, and there's so many of them out there. So to go back to what I said at the beginning, don't just get schooling here and experience at this company. Look at the world at large and see what you can learn from things like Reddit. See what you can learn from uh, podcasts like yours. Because what you might find is, oh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, right? Uh, by the way, I, I'll just give one example. There's a guy on Reddit. His name's, uh, his, his handle is Snorkel42 like the word snorkel and then the number 42 he has a he started a subreddit called uh, security cadence and he posted he posts just something like every week some advice that he has for junior security people and i really like that thread i enjoyed it so much that we ended up having him as a as a guest on on my podcast so that's that's an example of the kind of thing that you can find when you go on uh, something like reddit no, I appreciate that. Snorkel42, and you said it's called the Cybersecurity Cadence? Yeah, I, I believe that's actually, that's the name of the subreddit as well. He start, cool. he initially started just posting in, um, like, the sysadmin uh, subreddit, uh, and then he just decided to make his own 
uh, and then cro- he cross posts. Cool. I'll go ahead and add that to the notes for this episode so the audience can go out and take a look at it. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for joining. Happy to be here.